democratic politicians between working people as they did with the utterly shameful repeal of the first Amazon tax in 2018, I would have myself betrayed the working class. Because you see, that's what it means when you don't speak up. By choosing what to say and what to leave out, an elected official is choosing a side. If I did not expose the Democrats when they sell out working people, I would myself become part of the problem, part of the betrayal. These Democrats of the city council, they could make different choices. I wish they would, and I hope they will, but I am not holding my breath. And you should not either. In fact, I appeal to you, stop holding your breath. It is time for action. It is time for rent control. It is time to build a fighting labor movement. It is time for Medicare for all. We have work today. We have no time for illusions of the bosses' politicians, no matter how pretty they speak. What we win or don't win will be based on the unity we build within the working class on the strength of our movement. But Big Business had a virtual sweep in Seattle's November election as well as big victories nationally. Why? Because while corporate PACs back law and order, quote-unquote law and order candidates, the woke progressive Democrats overwhelmingly failed to campaign on working class issues. Why did Democrats like Lorena Gonzalez not offer anything to the working class? Why did they not fight for rent control, for expanding the Amazon tax to build affordable housing, or for any working class demands at all? Why did they allow the election to be defined by the right-wing backlash against Black Lives Matter? Why did they not call out the big business backing of their opponents, the $2 million in corporate money being used to buy those elections? The blowout in Gonzalez's election was because she never brought up any fighting demands. She campaigned on the defensive throughout, unwilling to point out that her opponent, Bruce Harrell, was a favored candidate of big business, and that's because she herself does not want to antagonize big business. And it is because the Democratic Party is not a party of the working class, but rather a party of the billionaires. Even its progressive wing ultimately wants to make peace with big business and limit itself to making largely symbolic changes within the status quo. The Democrats are obviously different from the increasingly outright reactionary billionaire party of the Republicans, but that is not enough. I am a Marxist, that is to say, I am a scientific socialist. That means I do not engage in wishful thinking or political impressionism that is the stock and trade of the liberals. I base myself, as to all my comrades in socialist alternative, on material reality, on historical materialism, which is the study of history through a scientific lens. We cannot afford to not learn from the past mistakes and victories of the working class. There is simply no time for it. One conclusion Karl Marx drew in his study of class struggle is that the working class needs its political independence, its own candidates, its own political party. It cannot share its political party with the capitalists. And it is high time Let me draw up a balance sheet of the Democratic Party, which is a failed, rotten party through and through. It was never the party of the workers. FDR's New Deal, for example, was a product of a militant labor movement guided by socialists and socialist ideas, which gave FDR no choice but to act. In fact, FDR told the capitalists of his era, I am the best friend of American capitalism. If you are serious about fighting
fighting to win gains for working people, you should seriously consider joining Socialist Alternative. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to the working class. If a small, if a small revolutionary socialist organization can beat the wealthiest corporations in the world here in Seattle again and again, you can be sure that the organized power of the wider working class can change society. Solidarity. We're joined by uh, Councilmember Kshama Sawant of the Seattle uh, uh, City Council. And uh, Councilmember, thank you so much for joining us. I want to start out by talking about uh, some impressions of uh, your uh, press event on uh, last Friday uh, and kind of what kind of week uh, that was uh, for you. And I want to start out by asking why, why was it important to you at that event to talk about and reiterate your position as a Marxist and a scientific socialist explicitly uh, at, that, at that particular moment? I think at this uh, moment in history, actually, we have young people, not only in the United States, but worldwide, really questioning the, the system of capitalism itself, you know, really wondering if the system is even going to work for us. Clearly, a lot of people have understood that the climate crisis and the climate catastrophe really is not going to be averted on the basis of capitalism. We really need something different. And what that is, they might not be clear about. But the fact is that more and more young people now are disenchanted from the status quo and are looking for something different. And at that moment, especially in that context, especially, it was really important for us to clarify, and we are going to continue to do this, clarify and distill the lessons from why is it that we, when the ruling class threw everything at us, were able to defeat this right-wing big business-backed recall in a December election sandwiched between two of the most traveled holidays. And in the midst of voter suppression, we were able to, and you know, millions of dollars being spent by corporate landlords and uh, CEOs and corporate executives, we were still able to win our victory. And yet in the November election, many progressive Democrats lost their elections, not only in Seattle, but also nationally. And it is really important to clarify the difference. And the difference is in the question of political ideas and strategy and approach. That's where the difference lies. And the reason I clarified that is because our ideas, which have clearly been put to the test and have succeeded, flow from the ideas of Marxism and sci or scientific socialism, as I said. Uh, many people uh, in this resurgence or this building up of, of left consciousness and anti-capitalist consciousness uh, around the, the country um, are questioning, though, the, the role of electoral politics in general, and especially where uh, socialist uh, activists should should um, commit their energy. And one could talk about this recall effort as both a vindication of engagement with electoral politics, as well as kind of a, a, an underlying exposure of the problems of electoral politics. How, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's no question that we need, uh, it, it's absolutely true. We are not going to win progressive victories like Medicare for all, or even the federal $15 minimum wage by relying on what you would call electoralism per se, meaning putting our faith in 
elected representatives and saying, okay, can you do this? Uh, obviously the squad have completely failed in delivering any of their, on any of the things that they stand for. And I don't question their intention so much as, you know, uh, asking the question, does that approach even work? So to the extent that ordinary people, young people are skeptical of electoral politics, it is completely understandable because the Democratic Party is a party of the billionaires. You know, it is a road for betrayal. Uh, but I would, uh, but I would describe this problem not as electoralism versus movement. I would say that in uh, in in order to win victories in general, we need mass movements. But everywhere we go, there will be a question of leadership that will be raised. And then when you have leadership, you have accountability. I don't believe in this idea, and I I find this a mythical idea of leaderless movements. And a lot of people on the left are tempted to think of movements as you know successful movements uh, movements will be successful when they when there nobody is a leader well that doesn't make any sense because there will be some political ideas that will rise to the fore as the most important ideas so in that sense there will be leadership of ideas and the only question is in my mind is not whether or not there will be leading ideas the question is are they the correct ideas so in other words whether you're talking about city council or U.S. Congress, whether you're or you're talking about labor movements, uh, or you're talking about social movements, you know, not explicitly organized, but movements arising out of social anger, like the Black Lives Matter movement. No matter what movement you talk about, there will be leadership, and it brings up the question of accountability. And so, I find this, uh, I find posing it as electoral versus something else as a false dichotomy it doesn't actually point towards the problem. Uh- on Twitter Friday morning, you posted before talking about the results in Seattle uh, about the uh, union victory for Starbucks workers in, in Buffalo. Um, and uh, you said if a small group of workers in Buffalo can beat Starbucks executives to form a union, you can be sure organized power of the working class can change society. Uh, and you congratulated those workers. Now, if you have more than 280 characters, what else would you like to say about the significance of that and, and maybe how that cohered with uh, things that were going on on the, on the opposite coast? I think that was an important victory because it is the beginning of the hopefully the beginning of the unionization of workers in a major corporation like Starbucks. And, you know, Starbucks, like Amazon, Starbucks executives and the multimillionaires and billionaires who own the corporation have also, just like Amazon executives, used the playbook of union busting, you know, anti-union efforts repeatedly. And so for the workers to win that in the face of that is extremely important. And it uh, and I and and it's sort of uh, it, it, that happening on the same day as us getting ahead in the fight against the recall. It really showed you the potential of you know of what's possible when workers get organized and fight back. And that was the point I was trying to make that you know we 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 see glimmers of what is possible, but what but we need to unleash the full power, the latent power of the working class. And again, that relates to your previous question. We are not going to have successes unless we hold leadership of whether it is elected leaders in city hall and Congress or elected officers in the labor movement or unelected social movement leaders, unless we hold all of them accountable. And the only way to do that really is to have a serious discussion and debate on ideas and strategy. What is the strategy to win victories? 
what are the strategies that have failed working people in the past all of that needs to be discussed along the same lines there were many many groups involved in uh, pushing back uh, against the recall effort there uh, and, and and what could you say right now about the importance maybe of left unity and some of the challenges uh, you know as people discover socialism obviously they're discovering it in different ways and maybe in different nodes. And so you have organizations like DSA and Socialist Alternative and, you know, with both internal, you know, kind of differences, but also maybe coming together in efforts like uh, resisting your recall. I mean, as I said in my uh, election night speech, which your uh, viewers are welcome to read on Socialist Alternative website at socialistalternative.org, I am both a member of Socialist Alternative and of the Democratic Socialists of America. Many other of my fellow Socialist Alternative members are also members of the DSA. And we believe that both organizations are important. You know, the DSA is what we would call a big tent socialist organization where there's different um, trends of thought uh, related to socialism. And also that translates into differences in uh, different ideas in, uh, in what the strategy is to go forward. Socialist Alternative is a revolutionary Marxist organization. Uh, and I believe both uh, organizations are necessary. And in fact, both organizations have experienced unprecedented growth in the last few years. And it really shows the opening for socialist ideas and the hunger for political ideas and politicization that, uh, that is experienced by young people. So we should, the, you know, the last thing we should do is underestimate the opening for the socialist movement but I also believe that it is important that we have, as I was saying earlier, a serious discussion and debate of, about the way forward and you know, what kind of socialist ideas can succeed. And that is why I strongly believe that inside the DSA, we need the growth of uh, Marxist ideas. And, and that is in no way counterposed to left unity. As a matter of fact, Marxists have proven, and we have shown this in Seattle over and over again, the most effective uh, to have the most effective approach towards a principled unity. And that's, that's very important. We believe in principled unity, meaning unity when we uh, are confident that that approach will further the interests of the working class. So that means often not having unity with the democratic establishment, not having unity with uh, big business always, you know, because they, they are, they, their interests are completely counterposed to the interests of workers. And so uh, the question of how to achieve principled unity is the crucial one. And that is the kind of discussion we need to have. Uh, I appreciate you being willing to uh, go to so many different spaces uh, with me in, in all of these questions. I wanted to ask uh, a question about the legal establishment and particularly on Friday, uh, you talked a lot about, you talked a little bit about uh, the Washington State Supreme Court and how the role that they played in enabling uh, this far-right uh, counter uh, offensive against uh, against you and, and the movement. And I couldn't help but think about the federal courts and the US Supreme Court's attacks on voting rights and other anti open anti-democratic uh, 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 legislating from, from the court. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about the role of the legal system in in upholding that kind of suppression and what strategies we can have as we build mass movements to, to resist that and, and the role of the courts in, in, that, in that fight. 
But first of all, we have to recognize, and this is, you know, this is, uh, this is why being a Marxist and, and, and having a scientific approach to assessing capitalism is so crucial is because that helps you to understand that it's not this or that corporation or this or that institution under capitalism that serves the interests of the ruling elite uh, and oppresses workers. It's every institution. So in other words, you know, we faced the most undemocratic election through uh, the, the recall election being scheduled between two of the most traveled holidays, you know, the first ever December election in Seattle. That was, I mean, and, and we knew that was blatant voter suppression because unusual election dates automatically disenfranchise people of color, working people, renters, and so on. And so it was geared towards voter, voter suppression. There was no doubt about that. But the reason it was even possible for the recall campaign to put, the put this on the ballot in December is because the state Supreme Court themselves inexplicably delayed their ruling by over three months. This has never happened. It is unprecedented. And so do we need a conspiracy theory to understand how capitalism works? No, absolutely not. It's, it's in front of us. It's what it shows is that we cannot rely on any institution under capitalism. In other words, we have to fight, we as working people, as oppressed communities, absolutely have to fight for every reform possible, like the Civil Rights Act that, you know, that was fought for and won by the civil rights movement from the 40s to the 60s. But just like Martin Luther King understood that it was not enough that ultimately we, that, that capitalism is the enemy of working people and that we have to unite working people across race to uh, build a different kind of system entirely. That is what's posed. And so when you look at the role of the courts, as you were saying, it really reveals, it's part of what reveals how the system as a whole is corrupt. The system as a whole is capitalism as a whole is rotten and we need a fundamentally new system root and branch. And it's not just what we faced with this recall attack. Look at what's happening with Roe v. Wade being under threat. You know, abortion rights were fought for and won decades ago, and they have been under attack ever since, especially through the growth of the right populism throughout, you know, through the uh, Trump presidency. And now we are seeing the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, getting gearing up really to launch a major attack on Roe v. Wade. We need a fight back against that as well. We have fully 81 bills in Republican-led states attempting to criminalize peaceful protest. If these bills go through, it will be a, 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 a testament to the reaction against the Black Lives Matter protest last year. So it's not just one or two examples. It is all, uh, you know, all, all, so many examples that you can see from uh, the legal system. We just saw the shameful acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse and the statements made by the judge there who said that the victims of Rittenhouse cannot be referred to as victims. They had to be re referred to as rioters. I mean, this is just unspeakable. All of this is happening under capitalism. It really shows you that we cannot rely on the legal system. We have to fight for every legal reform possible, but we cannot stop there. We need to fundamentally change society. All of this also, of course, suggests that as soon as you're done, you know, as soon as you were done with this effort and successfully fighting back the recall, there's already, uh, you know, more things, uh, you know, on the agenda, always already on the agenda. And I'm, I'm wondering how you and, and the, the team are doing, whether you've had a chance to catch your breath and uh, how your energy level is uh, moving, moving forward as we as we finish out this eventful year. Well, obviously, this was 
a historic victory and it was the product of the incredible dedication and self-sacrifice by hundreds of people socialists especially but not only socialists so many working people who may not necessarily identify as socialists who agree with us on many of the things we have been fighting on and winning and uh, understood that this was a threat not against me but against working people as a whole and that if the recall were allowed to succeed it would actually turn into a bigger backlash nationally as well you know they will go after leaders when they are emboldened movement leaders when when the right wing and when big business are emboldened and so uh, no doubt uh, all of the people who fought to win this incredible victory need a you know need a vacation but coming back in january we are going to redouble our efforts to win rent control in seattle as you know all of this year we've been helping to build momentum around it in the summer we collected 15000 signatures on a petition for a strong rent control policy in seattle and so that will be a major fight and as you alluded to you know it's not going to be a straightforward thing because we don't expect the democrats on the city council to support rent control it will require a major organizing and mobilizing mobilizing effort by renters building by building but also by the rank and file in the union movement to stand up for renters rights and rent control as they have done uh, throughout uh, the 8 years that we've been in office so we have a long and difficult road ahead but you know your question also is a reminder of how <coughs> as difficult as it will be <clears throat> to when when any of these reforms you know rent control 15 dollars an hour federally medicare for all none of this will be granted to us by the largest of the billionaire class or their political representatives we are going to have to fight to win every single one of those and it will be a tooth and nail combat political combat but and none of those reforms is going to be enough anytime we win something it will be snatched away from us as long as this rotten system exists and that is why we have to fight uh, for socialism and that i would urge your viewers to check out socialistalternative.org to find out more about how we won the the victories we won and what is the way forward council member shama sawant uh thank you so much uh, solidarity and congratulations thank you solidarity to you as well bye 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 Patreon.com slash Solidarity House.